Hello and welcome. Welcome, welcome. Hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all having a good week so far. So today we have another Q&A episode. A few questions asked by clients. Nice variety this week as well, which is pretty cool. So without further ado, and before I start jabbering on too much, let's get straight into them. So the first question was, or it was more of a statement than a question, I'm keen to know about salt levels in food and its effect on health. So I'm just going to preface this with the fact that because I'm not a dietitian or a registered nutritionist, the advice that I'm going to give is pretty standard, pretty sensible. There's nothing particularly special here. I think most of us know that salt is something that we need to look out for. But like most things, we don't want to overly panic um, and, and start restricting completely, right? We don't want to drop our salt levels too low either because we need salt, we need sodium for bodily processes, for hydration, but too much of anything is definitely bad. So the NHS states, um, or the NHS suggestion is no more than six grams of salt per day, and the WHO recommend no more than five grams of salt per day. Now, slight caveat to this, I would probably argue that if you're someone who sweats a lot, then you might need a little bit more and you can definitely get away with a little bit more. But that's probably more if you are a very active person and like I say, you find yourself sweating a lot, whether that be because of exercise or maybe you engage in some sort of hobby that has you sweating a lot. Too much salt is not particularly great for a few reasons. Um, Some symptoms of too much salt intake are increased thirst, swollen feet or hands, and sometimes even a headache in some cases. But the main one, the main reason we want to keep an eye on it is because of increased blood pressure. The other thing that salt can affect as well, and I don't really hear it spoken about much, is our immune function. Too much salt can impact our immune function by inhibiting things called, if I remember this correctly, granulocytes. Hopefully I've pronounced that right. These are the most common immune cells in the blood and these cells actually attack bacteria and if they don't function properly then infections can take longer to clear. Excess salt can also suppress glucocorticoid levels which have uh, or which has a negative effect on the way we respond to infection. So again another reason why we want to make sure that we're not eating too much salt. I would normally say that if you are cooking most of your meals at home or putting together most of your meals at home from, you know, whole ingredients, which we normally talk about doing anyway, that you don't have to worry too much. You don't have to stress. In fact, you're probably better off adding a little bit of salt to meals, not only for the sodium intake, but also obviously flavor because life is too short to have bland meals. But the problem typically comes if you're eating out a lot or if you are eating lots of ready meals, ready-made meals, uh, ready-made sauces, things like that, and obviously ultra-high processed foods, that's where you might need to keep more of an eye on this sort of stuff and either adjust the amount of salt in the meals that you do cook to kind of compensate or look at reducing the amount of highly palatable, highly processed foods that you do consume. Again, the like with most things, the odd, the odd over indulgence, you know, having a day where you go over that limit of salt is not going to 
cause your body to fall apart. But if on a consistent basis you are eating over those numbers, then it's definitely something that you want to take a look at. More, not just for the salt itself, but also possibly for the sign of like why you're eating those things, right? So if you're constantly reaching for bags of crisps and things like that, or you can't put your meals together, you find that you're eating out a lot, I would start to question why that is. And I'm fully aware that some people just have super busy lives. However, is it is there a reasoning behind it, right? Is it the sign of something else, something that is a little bit more serious or more, more important that you need to take a look at, right? Like, you know, carving out time to cook meals for yourself, taking out time for yourself, um, not packing your calendar full of things to do so that then your nutrition takes a hit. That for me is another thing to consider. So yeah, that's that one. Okay, so question number two. Ideally, how many rest days should a person have? So this is a great question, mainly because I think when a lot of people first start out, especially going to the gym, especially with resistance training, there's this tendency to feel like more is better and that every day needs to be crammed full of exercise. And I don't think things like social media help. You know, typically we see the most extreme examples, people who have pretty much made their life health and fitness. And so it can be easy to feel overwhelmed and feel like doing something every day is something you have to do. But rest days are equally as important, especially with resistance training and strength training, because that's where your body repairs, rebuilds, gets stronger and fitter the gym and exercise itself is more of a stimulus for a response and in order to get the response that we want rest is again just as important it is an equal part of the equation some may debate the specifics of the breakdown of the percentages but yeah basically without recovering appropriately you will not see the progress that you want from your training so coming back to rest days like with most things, it, it depends. How many do you need and how many do you want? There are some people who absolutely love doing some sort of exercise every day because it makes them feel good. It has a knock-on effect to the rest of their day. They can focus better. They have more energy. And so they prefer to have some, for, excuse me, some form of exercise every day. However, for most of us who just want exercise as a part of our life and we want to get the health benefits and we want some sort of progress, again, it depends on how you want to split up your training. There is a certain amount of volume or workload that is required for optimal progress and minimal progress, and that's that's a range, right? There is not one specific number of sets and reps and all that sort of stuff that will get you to where you want to be. The reason I say this is because you can then choose to split this up into your week how you wish, right? So you could do a workout every day, but shorter workouts, or you can do less workouts throughout the week, but then make them longer in order to achieve the the volume that you need, right? And the workload that you need. Key example of this is going from a three-day to a four-day split with resistance training or strength training if you're doing three days a week your workouts might be a bit longer because 
you need to fit all of the different body parts and movement patterns into your workout in order to create a nice balanced physique and a, a balanced body as well to help avoid injury. However, if you've got four days to train, you can take some exercises from those days and put them into that fourth day. This automatically means that your workouts are going to be shorter. So it's all about finding what works for you. You might be someone who is very short on time, but you can go to the gym every day, in which case really short workouts might work for you, say like a five-day split or a six-day split. However, if you can't get to the gym very often, but when you do, you can spend as long as you want in there, then maybe something like a three-day split is, is better for you, is better suited for you. It also depends on what you're doing outside of the gym. I think we often forget that rest is not just about the exercise that you do. We forget that also outside stresses can affect our body's ability to recover. And not only our musculature, but our CNS, our central nervous system. So other questions that you need to ask yourself are, what are your stress levels like? What are you doing outside of the gym as well that may affect your ability to recover? These are all things that come together. Then there's the mental aspect. How tired are you mentally, right? You might be physically able to go in and lift some weights, but if mentally you're not rested and recovered, then when you go in, your focus might not be there, and so therefore you're not giving your full attention to your workout, and therefore you might not see as good results. Or, even worse, you might struggle to get to the gym in the first place because you're so burnt out with everything else that's going on in your life. And the last thing to take into consideration is, do you just like exercising? And what exercise are you doing? So coming back to our previous example of doing maybe like a three-day strength training split or resistance training split, that is enough to get you where you want to be, to get the benefits from it, and also to gain some muscle and get stronger. But do you want to do some other form of exercise as well because you enjoy it? Do you have a sport that you do or a hobby that you do that classifies as exercise? Right? Do you want to go for a swim on your off days? These are all things that you can take into consideration. And in terms of how much rest you need, it's something that is incredibly personal and that you need to figure out for yourself. Um, you need to take into the factor of not only the physical load, but the mental load, the emotional load, um, how much free time you end up having, your nutrition as well. So for example, if you are doing four or five days a week, but you are barely eating anything and you're not eating enough protein, then you're not going to be able to recover for those sessions. And that's also incredibly important. So yeah, all of these things come together. Rest is incredibly personal. And the only way that you're going to find out is by going for a few weeks and then checking in with how you feel. It's why sort of sitting down with yourself and checking in as to your energy levels and where your focus is at and how well rested you feel, how mentally able to approach exercise you feel. These are all important things to start getting in touch with. And you only learn this by doing, right? We've all burnt out on occasion. Um, it's perfectly normal. It's the way that you find these things out, unfortunately, a lot of the time. So yeah, not a specific answer, I know. But hopefully that gives you a better idea as to what you're looking for and ways of finding out how much rest you personally need as well. So on to the final question. When talking to my friend today, she mentioned not only, oh, sorry, not knowing, 
let me start that one again. <laughs> when talking to my friend today, she mentioned not knowing how to use any machines other than running and elliptical. So what is one weight or resistance machine that would be useful and easy to start using and what benefit does it offer someone with an office job? This is a wicked question and actually a really tough one to answer because if, I'm trying to think of the context here, if there is someone who wants to do just one exercise, okay, let me start with this. I would say the most important thing is picking something that gets you feeling comfortable and confident in that area. Any machine is great for that because you don't have to learn exercise form. You can just get straight on with it. And it also means that you'll be able to work on progressively getting stronger with that machine as well, which will make you feel really good. It will allow you to see some sort of progress and I think the priority here is less about the specific movement and more about what venturing into that space will do for you, right? How much it will benefit you mentally to do something new, try something new and get comfortable with it and feel confident on it and also get stronger at it. So I'm going to do this in, in terms of an ideal scenario versus a sort of minimal scenario. Ideally, uh, your friend would choose three or four machines. Any will do, but ideally they would be different movements. So, for example, one would be a leg press. The other may be some sort of press, like a kind of bench press type thing or like a machine press, which is where you press away from your body. Some sort of pulling movement. So that might be a lat pull down or a row machine. And then the fourth could be anything else. What I would say to them is do two to three sets of each, just getting really comfortable with the weight, take it at a nice steady pace, getting used to feeling your body move. And then over the course of a few sessions, try and get better at those exercises. So, you know, pick a range, pick a rep range, go for eight to 12 is a pretty standard rep range. And when you can do all of your sets at that top level, so for 12 reps, next time increase the weight a little bit, then try again. Basically seeing this progression and progressing at a few exercises will do wonders for your confidence and will enable you to start feeling your muscles moving and contracting, which is quite an addictive feeling as it is, but more so just getting comfortable doing something new will make you feel really good and then that will have a knock-on effect that will make you want to look for more right do more exercises maybe venture into the free weight section i think people massively underestimate the power of the long game and when they're new to the gym they feel like they need to have everything nailed straight away but your priority when starting out should be gaining the confidence so that later on you can do all of the other fancy stuff right? So that's ideal case scenario. If not, if I do have to stick with one resistance machine, I would probably go for a leg press just because it's one that people tend to find really fun. Um, it's easy to start with. It's easy to get started with. And typically you can get stronger on it very quickly. Also, 
there are bodyweight exercises that are quite challenging for most people, especially if they haven't been to the gym before or they haven't done much training that you don't need machines for. So things like push-ups and pull-ups, you can do that without any equipment. But legs are very difficult because they are so strong or your lower body anyway. And so I don't think enough people take care of their lower body. As to how it would benefit someone with an office job, it wouldn't benefit them specifically because they have an office job. I think, like before, it would benefit them from more of a mental uh, point of view rather than specifically addressing something that that is brought up by having an office job. I think generally just getting stronger, especially something like your lower body, is going to make you feel really good when you're moving about the world. It will make moving about easier once you start getting stronger. But as I said, the main benefit will definitely be the mental benefit because if you can get into that place where you're finding fulfillment and enjoyment from getting stronger and feeling confident in that area of the gym, then it's going to have a massive knock-on effect. And the likelihood is that you'll then start searching out other exercises you know, try and figure out how to see the most benefit from your time in the gym and your progress. The other thing, just on a, a sort of site tangent, is if your friend really enjoys the running machines and elliptical machines, that's absolutely fine. And, you know, obviously doing things that we enjoy is, is high on the list of priorities. But if they're not really a fan of doing that sort of stuff, I would recommend that they spend that time doing more of the machine work or doing more of the resistance training work. But that's, you know, that's just a, a personal thing. That's a personal opinion. And if your friend is interested in having some sort of routine or something to help them get started, I am actually working on a beginner's guide to resistance training in the gym and a beginner's, t uh, pardon me, a beginner's guide to the gym That'll be out in a couple of weeks now. So if that if they would find that useful, chuck them my way, get them to send me a message, and I am more than happy to send that over to them when it is ready. And that goes for everyone else as well. If this sounds interesting to you, chuck me a message, and I will get that popped over to you when it's ready. So yeah, I hope you found that useful. Hopefully that answered your questions. If you have any more, I love answering them. I like this format. It really helps me. And I think that it helps a lot of uh, people as well. So if you've got anything that you would like covered, any questions you would like answered, then please feel free to chuck me a message either on this or via Instagram at rob.ftafitness. But until next time, take care, everyone.